0: everyone hear me okay got a copy of god's word please open it at the last book of the old testament can anybody tell me we quiz what that book is anybody malachi so it's called malachi and if you're struggling to find it go to the first book of the new testament matthew another m and then turn back one page to the book of malachi and we'll be looking at chapter three in just a moment Let me just remind you that last week we began a series of messages devoted to knowing God better. Seven messages that allow the word of God to teach us about the only true God. We answered the question, who is God? With the truth, God is incomparable or, as I defined it, according to that famous song, you are the one and only God is the one and only And this week we want to ask the same question, who is God? And the Bible responds with the truth, God is unchanging, God is unchanging. So begin reading with me please, would you, at Malachi chapter 3 and verse 6, verse 5, sorry. Then I will draw near to you for judgment. I will be swift, I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers, Against those who have committed marital unfaithfulness, against those who swear falsely, against those who oppress the hard worker in his wages, the widow and the fatherless, against those who thrust aside the sojourner and do not fear me, says the Lord of hosts. Verse 6 For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes. And have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. We'll finish our reading there. Apart from death, there's nothing more certain in life than change. It happens all the time, from moment to moment. Our moods change from day to day, our appearances change from week to week, our diets change. From month to month our hobbies change, from year to year our resolutions change, and even from decade to decade our jobs change. The Change is all around us. Landscapes and lifestyles change, fashion and values change, societies and seasons change. Even creation itself is subject to change. Because one day when Jesus returns, this creation, the heavens and the earth, will be transformed, changed into the new heavens and the new earth. You see, change is part and parcel of life. That's why the the Greek philosopher Heraclitus believed that change is the only constant in life. Change is the only constant in life. But is Heraclitus right Is change the only constant in life? Well, no, it's not. In our changing world, the creator of this world has revealed himself to us through his word as the unchanging God. In our our changing world, we are ruled and governed by the unchanging God. He alone is the constant in life let's ask three questions about that truth, that God is unchanging. It's the same questions as last week, and potentially throughout the series, we'll ask the same questions every week. Question number one, is God unchanging? Is God unchanging? And we established last week that the Bible is the sole and final authority in all matters of belief and practice. So as Christians, we must always come to the Bible and examine the scriptures to see what they say about any given truth Or topic, remember what the Bible is. It is the written words of the living God, God's revelation to us. When the Bible speaks, God speaks. How then does God, in His Word, reveal Himself as the unchanging God? We'll look first at our text, Malachi three, verse six. Very simply, God says, "For I, the Lord, do not change." It's a very simple statement from God. He is unchanging, or to use the theological term, God is immutable. He doesn't change. Through the prophet Malachi, God uh, is, is speaking to the people of Judah at this time, the people who returned uh, from, from exile in Babylon. They had spent many years in a foreign land, and now about 100 years have passed. So about 160, 70 years in total has passed since their return to Jerusalem and yet the passing of time didn't change God he hasn't changed he doesn't change and he won't change Malachi 3 verse 6 says for I the Lord do not change is this true of the rest of scripture is it just one passage and that's it well many places say it. we're only going to look at a couple the Psalms for example tell us time and time again that God remains the same. Psalm 102, verses 25 to 27, there will be on the board behind me, says, of old you laid the foundation of the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will change them like a robe and they will pass away. But you, O God, are the same and your years have no end. Right now, the kids are learning from Psalm 19, verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. So when we look at creation, we learn something about God. Although it's only a general revelation, it's still a revelation in and of itself. The very existence of time and seasons proves that God is unchanging. Day gives way to night. And night back to day. Spring gives way to summer, and summer to fall and fall to winter and winter all back to summer. Every day, and every year, it happens without feel. Why? Because the changing creation bears witness to the unchanging creator. In the New Testament, we see the same truth. James the brother of Jesus for example declares in James one seventeen, every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. You See what James is arguing here? James is arguing that God always gives good gifts because he is a good God. He is totally consistent. He is totally dependable. He is reliable. God's gifts will never change. His good gifts will never change because his character, his goodness will never change. God is unchanging. So Malachi said it, the prophet's creation bears witness to it as seen in observing creation and also looking at uh, psalm 102 at uh, james one of uh, jesus's brothers tells us but what about jesus himself what about christ is jesus the image of the invisible god god's final and fullest revelation also unchanging well yes he is hebrews 13 verse 8 says jesus christ Is the same yesterday and today and forever. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. In other words, Jesus is unchanging. So, question one, very simple question is God unchanging? We answer yes. yes. God does not change and God does not need to change because God is eternally unchanging. Question two, in what ways is God unchanging? In what ways is God unchanging? Well, if you're familiar with the Bible, you don't even have to be familiar with it. It's a a common story. While Moses was up Mount Sinai with God in Exodus 32, we're told that the Israelites, well, they were down below with the golden calf. Instead of worshipping the living God, they were worshipping a lifeless statue. God told Moses about this while he was up Mount Sinai and said that in a moment he would destroy the people. Exodus 32 records then and there how Moses prayed on their behalf. And then we read in Exodus 32, verse 14, And the Lord relented from the disaster that he had spoken of bringing on his people. God revealed to Moses that the people were, 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 were worshipping a false god, this, this golden calf. And then Moses prayed, and then Exodus 30, uh, 32, verse 14 says that God relented. What does the word relented mean? Uh, well, well, if you type it into Google, it says to change one's mind. It raises a question, doesn't it? Perhaps even a concern. What do we do with this passage and other passages in the Old Testament that seem to, su- su- t- seem to suggest to us that God has changed his mind? How do we make sense of that in light of the answer to our first question? Well, theology known as open theism, and I name it so that you stay away from it, solves the supposed problem by teaching that, well, God actually reacts to human actions within history by changing his mind. So he actually learns from our experiences and our choices and our decisions. He learns something and therefore he changes his, 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 his solution or his response according to our actions. that's not a helpful solution because the bible has many verses that suggest other lies. we've already looked at some of these so what do we do let me suggest two steps two steps that i believe are helpful when dealing with exodus 32 14 passage in jonah and isaiah and in first samuel there there are several of them scattered among the old testament step number one interpret scripture with scripture Interpret the Bible with the Bible. You see, the unclear parts of the Bible must be understood in light of or, or using the clear parts of the Bible. We've already seen that the Bible overwhelmingly teaches that God does not change. We've only used about four or five verses, but they're all over the place, more than those places that seem to suggest to us that God changed his mind. Here's another one. Numbers 23 verse 19. We looked at it last week. It clearly says, God is not man that he should lie or a son of man that he should change his mind. So these passages then, whatever they mean, cannot mean that God changed. Numbers is clear. He is not a man that he should lie or a son of man that he should change his mind. So that brings us to step two. Step one, interpret scripture using scripture. Step two, clarify, clarify what specific words mean. Now at times the Bible uses human language to describe God in a way that we, using our language, our words, our phrases, our terms, so that we can understand. I wonder if you've ever read or watched the Chronicles of Narnia, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Well, if you've watched it or or even read the book, you'll be familiar with this. Can you remember the scene when Mr. Beaver first approaches and speaks to the four children? He asked them, are you the sons of Adam and the daughters of Eve? And Peter responded, like Peter in the Bible, always speaking out of turn. He responded, were some of them, to which Mr. Beaver said, shh, not so loud, please. We're not safe even here. The trees are always listening. The trees are always listening. The trees have ears? Last time I checked. No. But CS Lewis applied human characteristics to the trees so that we can understand what the point of that scene was. And it's the same in the Bible. Human words and human phrases and terms are sometimes used to communicate to us in our language truths about God. So, for example, God is a spirit. He's without, he, he, he's without part. And yet we read in the Old Testament and the New Testament uh, phrases such as God had eyes that he could see or God had hands, the mighty hand of the Lord, or, or he, he, he moves along the waters on his feet. So when God is described as relenting, it's to communicate to us what took place. The circumstances change, so in line with his promises, it appears, as described in our language, that God has changed. But as step one teaches, no eternal change took place. Now, it's heavy stuff. I'm wrestling all week how to communicate this in simple language, and I hope I've done a decent job at that. And there's no denying this. is This is hard to think about. But I think we can also understand that better when we also clarify what we mean by the word unchanging. So, not just relenting for that example in Exodus 32, but when we say God is unchanging, or in a theological term, God is immutable, what do we mean when we say that? Or, in the words of our second question, in what ways is God unchanging? Well, God is unchanging in his being, attributes, purposes and word. God is unchanging in his being, attributes, purposes, and word. Let's look at each way in turn. Notice first that his being is unchanging. God's being is unchanging. Have a look again at Malachi 3 and verse 6. Again, we're rooting this in this passage. For I, the Lord, do not change. More specifically, for I, Yahweh, do not change. The name Yahweh is God's revealed name to his covenant people, Israel. So every time we read it, whether in the Old Testament or in the New Testament, we have to jump back to where he revealed that to, to Moses at the burning bush in Exodus 3. In reply to Moses' question, God says in Exodus three fourteen, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. And then in verse 15, God says that his name is, is Yahweh. The name Yahweh comes from the Hebrew word for those words used in 14, I am. It means to be. So it reveals to us a truth about God's essence, his nature, that he always has been and he always will be, that he isn't dependent on anyone or anything. Instead, anyone, uh, everyone and everything is dependent on him. God won't increase or grow. He won't decrease or shrink. God won't lose anything or become anything. Passions and emotions do not wage war within him. God doesn't have mood swings. He is stable and he is constant forever the same. Why? Because God is unchanging in his being, his essence, his nature. For I, the Lord, Yahweh, do not change. Notice secondly, his attributes are unchanging. His attributes are unchanging. Look again at verse 6. For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, this is the implication, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. Do you remember the the context of Malachi? I mentioned it earlier. Malachi is speaking to the people of Judah who returned from Babylon. So the whole prophecy is a series of accusations against the people. God tells them that, that they're Their leaders, the priests, they they have sinned by offering polluted and uh, unacceptable and forbidden sacrifices to him. That the nation too has sinned by marrying foreigners, divorcing their wives, and withholding their money from God. Sin deserves God's judgment, and yet the people here are still in the land. Malachi is speaking to them because they still exist. Why? If they have sinned, why are they not judged? Because God's attributes haven't changed. His attributes haven't changed with the passing of time. He is still a faithful God who is faithful to his covenant people. Back in chapter 1 of Malachi, God says, Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated. So the children of Jacob aren't consumed because God is faithful. He is faithful to his covenant and to his covenant people. You see, the people deserve to be destroyed. They deserve to be con- uh, consumed. They, they, they deserve to be cut off and put out of the hand. But they aren't. Why? Because God is a merciful God. A God who is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He always has been and he always will be. Those well-known verses in Lamentations 3 illustrate this. Lamentations three twenty two to twenty three. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Now it's very easy for us to say, "Amen," and it? it's very easy for us to say, "Amen," when we hear that God's faithfulness remains, that His love remains, that His goodness remains, that His grace remains, that His mercy remains. But can we still say amen when we hear that God's righteousness remains, that his wrath remains, that his judgment is still coming? You see, all of God's attributes are unchanging because God's attributes are unchanging. It's not pick and choose which ones we want. All of them, however he has revealed himself, have not changed, including his wrath. Now, some people, and uh, it's, it's a big problem in Germany and in France and in Spain and, and Western Europe in, in its entirety. They come to the Bible and they try and split it in half. So they say, well, God was different in the Old Testament and he, he's, he's, he's a different God in the New Testament. But we've seen this morning that he is unchanging he remains the same always and forever. So both the Old and the New Testament reveal the same God. A God who hates sin and shows grace to the sinner. That's why I began our reading in Malachi 3 verse 5. To remind us that God will draw near for judgment. He has appointed a day when his son Jesus will return. And on that great day of the Lord, Malachi chapter 4. Everyone who does not fear him will face the wrath of the Lamb. Notice that. It's not the wrath of God. It's the wrath of God as executed by the Lamb, Jesus Christ himself. If you're not a Christian today, if you're outside of Christ today, please listen carefully to this. God is slow to anger. And he is abounding in steadfast love. He always has been and he always will be. But don't presume upon his riches. His patience is wide, it's deep, but it's not infinite. It will one day run out on the day that he is appointed. And if you're outside of Christ, you will experience the righteous judgment of almighty God. Do not be mistaken. God won't change his mind in the last day and say, okay, I'll just pass over my wrath now. No. He will execute his judgment. And your only hope today, if you're outside of Christ, is to ask God to forgive your sin and to believe in his son. Jesus is the only one who can deliver us from the wrath to come because he is the only one who has already absorbed and satisfied the wrath of God on the cross. And then in the grave and by rising three days later, turn from your sin today and trust in him by faith. And then, as says, Blessed are all those who take refuge in him. Friends, all of God's attributes remain because his attributes are unchanging. So God is unchanging in his being. God is unchanging in his attributes. Thirdly, his purposes are unchanging. And Now, this isn't in the text, but it's a really important uh, definition, so we're going to look at it. In Job chapter 23 and first, verse 13 we read but God he is unchangeable and who can turn him back what he desires that he does in other words God's purposes or his plans or his decrees however you like to put it for the world and for his people are final and never change there's no plan b or plan c because of something that has happened or because God has, has, has somehow been caught off guard. Think about this logically for a moment. Decrees are made by the all-knowing and all-wise God. All-knowing, he knows all things. All-wise, he knows best what to do with all things he knows. Therefore, his purposes are made before the foundation of the world, carried out in history, and will never change. His counsel stands forever. Take, for example, the plan of salvation. Both the Apostle Paul and Peter described how before the foundation of the world, God planned that Jesus would purchase for God, by his blood, a people for himself. Listen to this. That means that before Bethlehem even came into existence, God planned that Jesus would be born in that little town. Before crucifixion ever occurred or even existed as a method of torture, God planned that his only son would die on a Roman cross and be raised three days later. It wasn't an accident. It wasn't a reaction to unfolding events. It wasn't it wasn't because because oh Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, so therefore God needed to jump to plan B and then the plan C. No. It's always been his purposes and plan before the foundation of the world. And it's absolutely mind-blowing if you just stop and think about that for a moment. Personalise it. If you're a Christian today, we are told in Ephesians chapter 1 that before the foundation of the world, God chose us in Christ Jesus. So it's not that it was a reaction or, or, or God just one moment chose to, to love you and the next moment he's going he's, he's gonna to move away from you. No, before Bethlehem existed, before Calvary existed, before the crucifixion existed, God chose you in him. Does that mean that you're, you're eternally justified? No, he chose it in him because he made it in a way his plan that you would, ju- you would be justified by faith in Christ. It was his plans and his purposes that are unchanging. God also planned that people from all nations would be saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. In the Old Testament, people look forward to Jesus. And now we look back to Jesus, it's always been Jesus. It's always been God's purpose that people would trust in his son by faith. What does that mean? Well, it means it remains true today. You don't become a Christian by, by going to church. You aren't brought back into your relationship with your creator by good works. Your sin isn't forgiven by living a certain lifestyle. Acts 4 verse 12. There is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men. By which men will be saved. It always has been Jesus. And it always will be Jesus. Why? Because God's purpose is. Are unchanging. His purposes are unchanging. Fourthly, notice his word is unchanging. What I mean by his word is his promises and his standards. A lot of people will just say his promises, but I think I think Malachi allows us to split it into his word and his promises and his standards. Notice first his promises many promises in the bible but but our passage focuses on god's specific promise to forgive the repentant have a look at malachi 3 verse 7 from the days of your fathers you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them so the people of judah have been rebellious and they've been unfaithful to god god continues return to me and i will return to you says the lord of hosts This is a promise to forgive the repentant. And it's a promise which God has made before many times. Back in uh, the passage we looked at last week, Deuteronomy 4, God said to his people, beginning in verse 29, but from there, talking about when they'll be sent out to exile, there you will seek the Lord your God and you will find him. If you search after him with all your heart and with all your soul. Verse 31, for the Lord your God is a merciful God, he will not leave you or destroy you or forget the covenant with your fathers that he swore to them. God had promised to forgive those who returned to him. And he has been faithful and will always be faithful to that promise. Malachi 3.16 tells us that, that the people who feared God returned. And a book of remembrance was written uh, to uh, to to remember the repentance. And that promise, friends, remains today. All who confess their sin to the almighty God and trust in the finished work of Jesus on their behalf on the cross will be forgiven. How can I be sure? Because God is faithful to all His promises, His Word never fails. So, as Christians, or if you're thinking about becoming a Christian, and then you become a Christian, we aren't like we aren't like a, the wife or the husband or the boyfriend or girlfriend with a flower in their hand, saying, "He loves me, He loves me not. He'll forgive me, He'll forgive me not." No, He loves us eternally because He has said so in His Word. If He has loved us once, He will love us forever and nothing, nothing will ever change that. Why? Because his word, his promises are unchanging. Notice too that his standards are unchanging and what specifically what I want to look at are his moral or his ethical standards but you could also look at his his standard for worship. Malachi uh, accuses the priest of, of, of offering, offering polluted sacrifices and the people not giving money to God but because they're meant to give to him the best and they're meant to worship him the way that he has appointed, not in whatever way they think is best. But what I want to look at is God's moral standards. You see, in the Bible, we see a close connection between ethics and theology. God's moral standards for his people will reflect his character. So, for example, we're to be holy because God is holy. And if God's character is unchanging, then his ethical standards are unchanging. Again, people say that such and such a practice, let's say um, ho- homosexuality, for example, was, was, was forbidden in the Old Testament, but not in the New Testament. And they come to this and they say, well, okay, we understand the Old Testament says this, but it's different in Jesus. It's different in the New Testament. But as we have seen, this is where we let the word of God correct and challenge our thoughts, not reason or experience, the word of God. But as we have seen, the word of God suggests, uh, tells us that God hasn't changed. It's very true that the situation around and specific application of a standard may have changed, but not the foundational rule itself. Why? Because his standards, his word is unchanging. Let me illustrate this from Malachi itself. Malachi chapter 2, God accuses the people of Judah of marrying foreigners. Intermarriage. And across the Old Testament, intermarriage is forbidden on religious grounds because God is the one and only, what well, we looked at last week, His people should never marry foreigners who worship other gods. It's religious, not racial. Please get that. It's religious, not racial. Malachi 2:11 makes this clear. Has that ethical standard Old Testament intermarriage forbidden changed? No. In the New Testament, Paul tells the Corinthians that they shouldn't be unequally yoked, or in another uh, part that if their 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 partner uh, their their husband or spouse or wife dies, that they're free released to remarry in the Lord. They shouldn't marry an unbeliever. Why? Because light and darkness have no fellowship. The children of God, light, cannot marry the children of the devil, darkness. It's not racial. It's religious. Those who profess to worship the one true God must not be united to people who worship other gods. The situation around the specific standard changed because we're not a nation, But the foundational rule did not. Do you see that? that's, that's, That's not me coming up with this. This is in Malachi itself. Go away and read it. Read the book. It'll take you 15 minutes and you'll see it. God's word, both his promises and his standards are unchanging. Church, his being is unchanging. His attributes are unchanging. His purposes are unchanging. His word is unchanging. God is eternally unchanging. He is the same yesterday and today and forever. Question number three, third and final question. How should we respond to the unchanging God? How should you and I, as Christians, respond to the truth that God is unchanging? Very simply depend upon God, rely on Him in every situation trust him always when you're at a river or a beach let's say with your children and they or you want to get closer uh, into the water without getting wet what do you do well you either jump on a rock or you get a rock maybe josh or the dads chuck a big rock in so the so the boys or the girls can get out further a rock to stand on in the water why because a rock is a solid foundation an immovable object. It's firm and it's stable. And God is described in the Bible as a rock for his people because he is a solid foundation, he is faithful and he is constant because he is unchanging. His being doesn't change, his attributes don't change, his purposes don't change, and his word doesn't change. So, brothers and sisters in Christ, build your life with God at the center, for he is is a reliable rock. Everything in life changes, but God remains the same. Build your life in this truth. That's how you respond to the unchanging God, with total trust, with complete confidence in him. And to do this, you need to believe that what God has revealed to us about him in his word is true, that he is, first and foremost, eternally unchanging. And this calls for all of us, as we say every week, to study God's word ourselves. One sermon on the topic is never enough. We must read his word daily and remind ourselves over and over again that God never changes. So when the storms of life come, we won't be blown over because our life is built and solidified by the reliable rock. When you're tempted to to think that God will change his mind and regret saving you, trust in his unchanging being. When you have given in to the same temptation again and again and feel like God will forgive you this time, it was the final and last time, remember his unchanging character. He is a merciful God, a God who has slowed you anger and abounding in steadfast love. He always has been and he always will be. When the world around you seems out of control, whether the global world or your world, rest on the truth that God's purposes, his plans, are still being carried out for his glory and for our good. That will never change. When the circumstances in your life change, take comfort in the truth that God's word never changes. He is with you just as he promised. He will comfort you just as he promised. He will give you wisdom and sufficient grace every day just as he promised. Do you see how amazing this truth is? Can you see how important it is for us to learn it and love it, live by it every day? Build your life with God at the center for he is a reliable rock. as we come to a close listen to what god says one final time malachi 3 verse 6 for i the lord do not change therefore you O children of jacob are not consumed amen father we do thank you for your word we thank you lord as we listen to it we are just overwhelmed by how good and gracious you are to us, that you have revealed yourself in your word and finally through your son Jesus. We thank you that you're the unchanging one, that you're unchanging in your being and your attributes, your purposes and your word. We pray that your spirit would help us as believers to be comforted by these truths, to learn these truths, love them and live them out. And for those who are outside of Christ with us this morning, oh God, we do pray for them. And we ask that you would help them not to presume upon the riches of your kindness. To know that your wrath is coming one day and that today is their salvation. And may they take refuge under the cross of Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.